0: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host Daniel Wade joined as always by David Drogemeyer and John Kegley. We're three writers from San Diego sports domination. San Diego's top sports blog who have been covering the Chargers for three seasons now and this is our first going on second year with the Locked On Chargers podcast. Bring you your team every day and today is the show we've all been excited about because the Chargers actually did it you guys. They have released Jaleel Dye and I know it sounds messed up to be that excited about that but I think we are in consensus that that was the right thing to do and we are all a little bit surprised that they actually pulled the trigger and did it even though it seemed obvious to everyone so we're going to start off with talking about Jaleel Dye and where do the Chargers go from here as far as filling that free safety spot and then we're going to talk about the biggest trade in the NFL offseason so far as Antonio Brown has been traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll talk about the impact that has on the Chargers and how scared we should be of that, and then end things with the Chargers taking care of one of their own once again and getting another signing right, I think, in the offseason by bringing back Denzel Perryman, their second-round pick from a few years ago, and signing him to a two-year deal. But, guys, we have to start with Jaleel Adai. David, they really did it.
1: Oh my God, man. I really, truly did not think that this day would ever come. Uh, Just because of all the things we've heard about Tom Telesco, uh, you know, really, you know, talking about Jalil Adai, that he just loved him, you know? They thought he was a great team guy. You know, they thought that he was a good defender, which we, never saw. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing the Chargers released him, and hopefully now they can actually put a true free safety next to Derwin James and uh, see uh, some magical stuff in the backfield.
0: Yeah, and I kind of want to start there as far as saying, hey, first of all, let's be you know appreciative to Jaleel Adai and thank him for what he did do when he was on the Chargers. Obviously, he was the consummate, team guy and Tom Telesco said at the end of the season that he was the backbone of the defense, which was kind of scary to think that he thought that way, but you get what he means as far as he's a leader in the locker room. He creates the big hits. He has a good relationship with those guys and for him to kind of get thrown out of his position last year when the Chargers drafted Derwin James and really just sliding over to that free safety role, even though no one thought that's where he was best suited to kind of let Derwin James get in there and be dominant like that, but still kind of be a mentor towards him, I think we should be thankful for. And I don't want to trash him too much on the front end. Before paying respects, he did have some good moments as a charger, John. But it was the right move, hands down, no doubt about it.
2: It was the right move. And because of it, we saved $5 million on our salary cap, which gives us a little bit more space to sign Someone like Earl Thomas, Tyron Matthew, Lamarcus Joyner, or even to help get Adrian Phillips back. I mean, just there's some guys in the free agency market that we could get. A lot of people were talking to Eric Weddle. Well, if you haven't heard yet, he signed with the Rams. Earl Thomas is getting chased by the 49ers and the Cowboys, and the Niners have a lot of cap room. So I think that's a lost cause. But the rest of those guys on that list are looking pretty good now with $5 million being saved.
0: Well, and if you think about the Denzel Perryman contract that we're going to talk about later in the show, the two years, $6 million per year contract kind of cancels each other out because now you can bring back that guy who is much more important when healthy than Jaleel Adai was. But that being said, do you think that the Chargers are going to go after someone, David, in free agency now and go after a high profile target? Or do you think they're going to try to maybe bargain shop a little bit and try to get a low cost replacement? For him,
1: well, I mean, I think the Chargers' mo is that they're going to try to go find a low-cost option because they, you know, seem to at least in the past not really value the safety position as much as other positions on the football field. But this particular free agency class is really full of guys that we actually are at positions that Chargers need. Uh, But uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, options. I mean, and the Chargers in a good position to go out and grab somebody. Who, like I said, is a true compliment to Derwin James that can actually play the free safety position. There's several guys out there. Even uh, you know a guy that you guys didn't mention was Tayshawn Gibson, who I think would be an affordable option for the Chargers to uh, possibly pair with Derwin James. But uh, yeah, I think you know, like I said, they don't usually make the big, high-profile moves, but I think they're in position to make you know something happen this year.
2: What I saw, Keenan Allen. And uh Derwin James have been trying to recruit Tyrone Matthews, so something to look at as well. Yeah, I don't like Tyrone Matthew as a
0: fit for the Chargers. I think you have your strong safety, and really, he is more of a, a linebacker safety hybrid, which you hope to bring back a less expensive version of that with Adrian Phillips. But at the same time, John, I'm all for the guys getting out there and recruiting. I know you said something about Glover Quinn possibly coming to L.A. to play basketball with some of the guys, so... It seems like those guys are out there recruiting right now to bring somebody in. And Tayshon Gibson, it makes sense as far as he just got released from a big contract. He made a bunch of money on that contract. He has history with Gus Bradley, obviously, with the Jacksonville ties. So it would make a lot of sense, John. And right now you have Rayshon Jenkins, who's really a strong safety, and Jalen Watkins, who hasn't shown anything on the field right now. As your guys that would be next in line to take over that free safety position. So they're going to have to address it still in this
2: offseason. Yeah. And we can't rule out the possibility of the draft either. It, we got to really see where they go in free agency. It, I would like to see them get an experienced veteran safety in free agency rather than draft another safety. I'd rather them draft someone that's like a really big, young defensive lineman that can probably be. A really young body that can handle a lot of snaps rather than an older veteran who's wearing down that's probably not going to be able to play a lot of games and is going to get injured probably just due to age. I'd rather see them go in that direction and get a veteran safety to go with a young second year safety.
0: Yeah, I would like that as well. The one thing is for sure, yeah. whether it is the draft or a free agency, they still have a lot of work to do there. Obviously, they haven't really experimented with the Desmond King at free safety role but hey if they bring Jason Verrett back you, you see what moves they make at cornerback then maybe it becomes you know more clear if they could try that but at the same time this safety market is loaded like David referenced to a lot of the Chargers positions of needs have a good amount of players that are pretty productive in spots where they could possibly sign them so i don't expect at all David for the chargers to be out there on day one. I don't think they're going to get Tyron Matthew or Earl Thomas or landing Collins, but after all of those guys get those big contract, the chances are there's going to be a few guys that still need jobs with the safety class, looking the way that it is. And that's Tom Telesco's specialty.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, he's the coupon God. I mean, that's one of the best nicknames ever, but you know, it's true because he tends to find really good value uh, later on in free agency. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, I would like to at least see, hear that they're making a play at some of these bigger, you know, more expensive free free safeties or safeties out there, uh, you know, even if they don't, you know, come to fruition with a contract. I mean, just it would be, you know, encouraging as a fan that, you know, they're at least trying to go for a really good player. Uh, but, you know, honestly, like I said, the Chargers are probably going to try to get a bargain signing.
0: Yeah, John, any way you think the Chargers get involved in any of those high-stakes type of players like Earl Thomas or Landon Collins, I don't necessarily see it. But in the last couple of years, it seems when players visit the Chargers and go to the Chargers to talk, they end up signing with them. So if they end up getting into a meeting, I would take it very seriously. Yeah,
2: I would too. But do I do I see it happening? I would only say it happens to... Uh any of the guys that the chargers players are hanging around. If you see some of the charger players on Twitter or something chatting or hanging around with some free agent player, I think those are the guys you have to really focus on. Cause I'm sure they'd be willing to settle on the contract. They probably won't take a veterans minimum, but they won't want to take a max contract either just because they'd be willing to play for some of these charger players that are becoming friends with them. So I think there is a chance we can get to some of these guys. I don't think Earl Thomas or Landon Collins are going to be in the mix, but I think some of these other guys, like maybe Adrian Amos or HaHa Clinton Dix, maybe could be one of those guys.
0: Yeah, I could see them going for a mid-tier free agent like that, kind of like what Mike Palancey was. He's not the best offensive lineman on the market, and there's not a lot of good offensive lineup either in this draft class. So The Chargers could make more hay on the defensive side. But I think the main thing is this position is not done yet. You're going to need to add to it because the guys you have there right now, I mean, you still have Adrian Phillips unsigned at this point. So you're really barren right now at the safety position. And Julio Dye did have 75 tackles last year, which might look good on paper, but don't mistake it. This was the right decision. I think most Charger fans are glad to see him gone, but still be thankful and don't you know, trash him too much because he still was very loyal and did everything the team needed him to do. But I do want to get into, you know, maybe the top receiver in the NFL getting traded into the AFC West coming up right after this. All right, guys, one of the top storylines in the NFL over the last few months, honestly, has been what is going to happen with Antonio Brown. It's He didn't play the last game of the season didn't show up to practice coach decided to bench him because he wasn't showing up and then everything else ensues from there and it basically was and the writing was basically on the wall that that was going to be antonio brown's last season with pittsburgh and after meeting with the owner they decided he wasn't going to be there and after being scared to actually going to the buffalo bills at one point on friday that was the report supposedly he would not play there and what does that lead to Antonio Brown getting sent to the Oakland Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick not as much as they would have wanted but you know they didn't have much leverage with Antonio Brown in that situation John what were your first thoughts when you saw Antonio Brown getting shipped to the Raiders
2: oh my first thought was a nightmare is about to grow because now they can probably go for Le'Veon Bell, and they've already been trying to trade Derek Carr to get rid of that contract, so they could probably trade him to maybe the Giants or the Cardinals. And they'll probably trade a lot of those first-round picks as well to the Cardinals so they can get the first overall pick and get Kyler Murray. And after that, it's just a bunch of speed all on one team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's scary to think about. Not exactly right now because there's still so much that would have to happen for that team to turn around. They do have the draft capital. They have three first round picks in the upcoming draft. So, you know, they have a chance to make something out of that. Even though recent history tells you that the Raiders will do nothing with those picks. It's still scary, David, to see a guy with that kind of production. I mean, 104 catches, 1297 yards and leading the league in touchdowns with 15 last season. Now he's right next to you in Oakland, and you're going to have to go up against them at least twice a year.
1: Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know, Antonio Brown might be looked at as the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he is 29 years old. And the Raiders gave this guy $18 million a year. That is insane to me. I, I cannot believe that they gave a wide receiver quarterback money. It's just, it's astounding. I mean, I know there are a couple of wide receivers out there that are like praising God that Antonio Brown got this contract because they're all about to receive a whole hell of a lot more money. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously it's a great move for, for Oakland. I mean, they, they get a, a, a star weapon, something that they have really sorely been needing and they haven't had anybody to, to lean on. So Bringing in a guy like Antonio Brown, who probably has at least maybe two, possibly three productive seasons left, you know, hey, it might might be a great move for the rookie GM Mike Mayock.
0: Yeah, it just kills me because you know that the Steelers got fleeced in this one and it's taking away something from an AFC rival in the Steelers and putting them even closer to home with the Oakland Raiders and to see the Steelers collapse. I mean, this last season losing two of their, you know, three best players in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown is really astonishing to me. And I didn't have as much surprise with the money just because he's making just now a little bit more than Odell Beckham Jr.'s giant contract. You know, they want to get paid as offensive players, not wide receivers anymore, but it definitely makes you think about what this goddamn Tyrell Williams contract could look like this offseason with that being the bar set, you know, for a superstar receiver, that trickle down effect for Tyra Williams is almost certainly going to keep him away from the Chargers. But if you're the Raiders, I think the main thing is, is, hey, you just accelerated the rebuild process because you really have to get it done now, John, because yes, he's 29. But for the next three years, you're really getting the back end of his prime for a guy who, I mean, the last six seasons has had at least 100 catches, 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns, including a high of 134 receptions in one season. It, it means something, John. And the thing is, is can they do something with it? Because they don't have a lot of time to figure it out, especially if they're you know trading Derek Carr and you have a couple of rookies. Who knows if those guys are fully established by the time that Brown
2: contract is up? Well, there's also a stat that I saw on Twitter by uh, Graham Barfield that he brought up saying Derek Carr has never had an above-average season in yards per pass attempt. And by year, this is out of quarterbacks that qualify based on pass attempts. He has been 33rd out of 33, 25 out of 35, 18 out of 30, 19 out of 32, and 20 out of 33 quarterbacks from 2014 to 2018. And the most yards per attempt he has had is 7.3. So is Carr going to be even be willing to throw it deep to Antonio Brown or even maybe a 15-yard in-stride route that lets Antonio Brown make moves? Is he going to be willing to do that? Is Antonio Brown even going to be the weapon we think he's going to be in this offense? Like You, you kind of think they have to trade Carr for him to be the weapon they want him to be because I feel like Carr is not the guy that wants to throw it deep. And this is a guy that's had Amari Cooper... And Michael Crabtree, at the same time, still has those kind of numbers.
0: Yeah, and Amari Cooper did have some big seasons before. I mean, the last couple where he was really down. But at the same time, I mean, you just have to be a little bit afraid. But at the same time, it reminds me a lot of a situation like Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. Were they a good tandem? Yes. Is Matthew Stafford good? I guess you could say that. But him and Derek Carr remind me a lot of each other because if you just looked at their numbers besides yards per pass attempt, looking a little deeper into it, you would think they're a pretty good tandem. But when you look a little closer at it, it just doesn't seem like it adds up for Derek Carr. He's very inconsistent. He's very unsure of himself in the pocket a lot of time and doesn't really like to you know take those shots downfield, which Big Ben loved to do. And I think this kind of, We'll really get to the whole chicken and the egg part of this conversation as, you know, was Antonio Brown making Big Ben a lot better or was Big Ben making Antonio Brown a lot better? But the guy put up 154 yards and a touchdown in his one game against you last season, David. So it's definitely a concern, but I just don't know if the rest of the Raiders will be able to speed up the process enough to really make it hurt the Chargers.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, obviously you respect Antonio Brown for the type of player that he has shown throughout his career that he is, you know, a guy who's going to go out and catch a hundred balls and he's going to get you 1200 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's really productive in, in this league, you know, so, Hey, you put him on, you know, an AFC West rival and I mean, he's going to get his, but you know, eventually they're going to just key in on him. If there's nobody else that the, the rate, I mean, who else are you going to worry about? Jared Cook. Okay. You know, I, I think Two of those guys can, can be taken away. So, what else, Who else are, are they going to attack with? So, I, I think if it's just Antonio Brown and Jerry Cook, it's not going to be enough to make a difference.
2: Well, they also have Martavius Bryant, who they also just traded a third round pick to get from the Raiders from the Steelers. So, those are two deep threats. But Martavius Bryant also has injury issues too. So, that's also something that you that you have to plan for.
0: Yeah, injury issues, off the field concerns, and really a lack of chemistry so far with Derek Carr. I don't think that situation has really been good for the Raiders trading for him. You know, they kind of got shanked in that deal and then kind of sent it right back when they got Antonio Brown. But to go from having Amari Cooper to now having Antonio Brown and three first round draft picks with the cap space to go do something with the rest of the roster is a little bit scary. I just don't know if that affects the Chargers' present Super Bowl window within these next couple of seasons where they're going to have to make a push if they want to really get the most out of Phillip Rivers' last couple of seasons. But I do want to talk about one more thing in this show, guys, and that's the Chargers bringing back some homegrown talent with Denzel Perriman signing a two-year contract and coming back to the Bolts coming up right after this. All right, guys, final segment of the show, and it comes with some good news after the bad news of Antonio Brown getting traded into your division. John, the Chargers re signed Denzel Perriman, a move that we advocated for, even knowing his health risk. We know what kind of a difference Denzel Perriman makes, just specifically in the run game. How did you like the signing of Denzel Perriman and what the contract ended up being?
2: I like the signing. $6 million a year is probably a little bit more than I wanted to give him, but it's also not too bad either. So I'm more worried about what the incentives and the guaranteed money are going to be because if he gets injured again, he's just going to be sitting on the sideline raking in the guaranteed money. And if the incentives give him a lot more money, then that means he's going to be motivated to stay healthy. Those are the things I'm more worried about in the contract than what the contract actually is. But I love the signing. It's going to help a lot for this team to have that run-stopping linebacker, but I kind of want to see us get another run-stopping linebacker who's really cheap and maybe is like that guy that isn't going to play a lot of snaps, but he's still reliable to to be there to play.
0: Well, you obviously need a, a good backup because Denzel Perryman hasn't finished a 16-game season yet. So you definitely have to have another player. I don't think they're done at that position, but with the guaranteed money and all that you'd have to think that it's pretty low guaranteed money that gives Tom Telesco an out because that's what he likes to do on his contracts if they don't do well then he can get out of them with very little dead cap like in the case of Jaleel Adai or Travis Benjamin who we're still you know have our fingers crossed for getting cut but David what were your first reactions to the Denzel Perryman deal?
1: I liked it. Yeah. When I first thought it, I was like, okay, you know, I, I didn't want to commit, you know, a you know, long-term contract to Denzel just because he hasn't proven to us that he can play a 16 game season, like you guys mentioned. So, you know, when I, when I saw a contract that with terms of two years, you know, I was like, okay, I like that. I can work with that. You know, when, like you mentioned, you know, Tom Seleska likes to build, build in that rip cord. So, you know, if something doesn't, you know, if the player doesn't live up to his contract, he can, you know, they, he can hit the eject button and, you know, with minimal uh, loss. So, but I mean, this is a, you know, a, a high reward type of situation. If Denzel stays healthy, we all know the type of linebacker uh, that he is a guy that, you know, He makes a difference when he's on the field. The Chargers defense is definitely better. So, you know, hopefully for Denzel um, and the Chargers, he stays healthy because when he is, he's a difference maker.
0: Yeah, I was hoping more for maybe like a two year, nine million dollar deal. I know that seems like kind of nitpicking, but that three million could be huge, you know, and season to season. But obviously, we still have to see what that guaranteed is, because that might make us Feel better about it. But really, it comes down to this. Denzel Perryman has two years to get it together because Tom Tulesco is not throwing him another contract like that if he still can't get it together after these next couple of seasons. So, you know, he has two contract years, basically, maybe one contract year, depending on the opt outs and whatever else. But I think Denzel Perryman is a great addition to this team. He's obviously a liability in coverage. I think he's really John a two down linebacker, but you do need a guy like that. So you kind of have addressed that and like you said, now you can go look at somebody that's a very dependable guy in free agency and maybe another mid-tier guy that you can come in that might not see a ton of snaps but could see some third down snaps and be there just in case of injury.
2: It doesn't even have to be a mid-tier guy. It can even be a guy that's slightly below average. Just just a guy that's going to be able to Be there that does what Perryman does, but just stop the run. He doesn't have to be a guy that does everything or even has some skill to do everything. He just has to be that two down run stopping linebacker. A guy I like is LJ Fort, which would be a guy I would like to look for. But if we could even draft a guy, if we maybe fourth round or something, get a linebacker to play behind him, someone that's young, And can learn from Perryman as well so that if Perryman's contract is up in two years and doesn't fit the bill, we already have a guy that was groomed to play like Perryman. That would also be something good as well.
0: And ever since Donald Butler kind of didn't pan out, the Chargers don't really look for help in free agency at linebacker when you think about it. I mean, I'm not talking about guys like Hayes Pilar, who is obviously just (laughs) a scab and, you know, one-year deal, the one-year deal that you just need in case of emergency break glass. But they do like to draft guys. They've drafted Uchen Wosu. They drafted Jeremiah Tauchu, who's kind of an outside linebacker back then. Josh Perry, who didn't work out. Jatavis Brown. Denzel Perryman. They do like to get linebackers in the draft. I didn't even mention Kazir White, who's another linebacker as well that they've drafted. So I think that could be more likely. I saw a mock draft the other day that had Devin Bush out of Michigan going in the first round to the Chargers and dropping... 228 so you never know but i think that really yeah i don't know if a kj Wright is going to be signed by the chargers for another you know six seven million dollars and have 12 million 13 million just wrapped up in those two guys i don't necessarily see that david but i think the linebacker position is not done yet you still have to add people to it
1: yeah, whether it be through free agency or the draft, you know, another body definitely needs to be there. I mean, and I, I like what John's saying about somebody who is just going to be a reliable run stuffer, a guy who doesn't have to do uh, everything. I think I could see them going that route. But also, you know, if they do draft a, a linebacker that falls to them that has first round value, I'm not going to be mad about that either. I mean, hey, younger, m- more controllable, you know, talented. I mean, hey, if they can get somebody like that, then then definitely do it. But yeah, you're not done at linebacker, just like you're not done at safety.
0: The really big part that kind of concerns me is just third downs. The Chargers have not been good at getting off the field on third downs. And look at what you saw in the AFC divisional game against the Patriots, just running backs out of the backfield all day long. You need a guy that can go sideline to sideline and make those tackles. And right now he's not on the roster because you're white was okay but not great in coverage last year. Jatavis Brown has seen better days than last season in coverage. We know what Denzel Perriman does. You don't want to see him in coverage. So they need a guy, John, that can cover on third downs. I know they like to get dime packages in there, but Adrian Phillips is really the only guy you could have covering people at the linebacker position last year, and you don't have him back yet.
2: Yeah, but I would also argue that a lot of those third down conversions were – Because our linebackers couldn't stop the run and it became third and short lots of times. In the Patriots case, that was just missing tackles, too. Because we would be there to make the tackle. It would be third and four. And we're there to make the tackle to make it fourth and two. And we just don't make the tackle. And element or somebody is just dragging us along to get a first down. And so it don't matter if you have that linebacker or not. If you're not making the tackle when you're already in position to make the tackle, it don't matter who you get. You could get a high-priced free agent linebacker that can go sideline to sideline easily, but if you're not making the tackle, you're not making the tackle.
0: Yeah, but that's what you need. You need a guy that can go sideline to sideline and make tackles in open space, and I don't think the Chargers have that guy on the roster right now. I think especially with Adrian Phillips not signed, you definitely don't have that guy on this roster. And, yes, you need the run-stuffers to keep them from those third and fours where you're just getting destroyed Every single time and the Patriots game was, you know, a, a scheme problem as well. Not just, you know, the guys not being able to tackle that whole game was bad. But I like the thought of, you know, maybe if you do get a guy like, you know, Devin Bush out of Michigan, you have that guy that can fly up and get a, and tackle a running back in the backfield before he starts going and gets that extra five, six, seven yards that we've been so accustomed to with the Chargers defense. But that's going to wrap things up for today. A lot to talk about today and a lot to talk about going forward. Free agency has basically already begun. I mean, you see guys signing left and right already and officially guys can sign on the 13th. So we'll be here for that. And then once we see who the Chargers are going to sign, then we will move in to our draft coverage with the draft coming up here next month. We are excited. Football already feels like it's back in swing. We're very excited to talk about this show with Jaleel Adai and Denzel Perriman and all that news. But we will be back with you guys later this week. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from so you can stay up to date with all of the latest shows. Make sure to like the P- Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC to see all the things we're talking about on there. The best way to listen to Locked On Chargers podcast, guys, is getting into your car on your way to work and telling your smart device, play podcast Locked On Chargers. I do it for all the podcasts that I listen to on my way to work, and that's the best way to listen to Locked On Chargers podcast. And if you want to hear your voice on the show, make sure to hit up the Locked On Chargers voicemail. Free agency is here. Tell us who you think the Chargers are going to get. Tell us your wish list, who you want them to get on the Lockdown Chargers voicemail, and you can reach it by calling 323-524-7924. We play every voicemail on the show, so get after it, guys, and let us play your voice on the show. But that wraps things up. We will talk to you guys later. Take it easy and go Bolts.